From the world-famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. Come on in, it's Friday here at the Black and Blue Report. I'm Sean Kelly, and greetings from the Smoothie King Center, where the Pelicans will take on the Utah Jazz tonight. And so with that, we've got lots of basketball to talk about here on today's Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. What a great show yesterday. Boy, I, I, I was overwhelmed by the response that you all gave us. We had a high listenership for a show that featured uh, Sean Payton, Harry Connick Jr., uh, Anthony Davis, among others. Yesterday was a really, really a lot of fun. So hopefully today uh, you're on board again as we uh, bring you another lineup of guests, including Mark Stein from ESPN and Pelicans head coach Monty Williams. We'll, of course, be discussing the four-game winning streak now held by the Pelicans playing their best basketball right now and even really shorthanded through much of the stretch. Tonight they'll look to make it five in a row when they welcome in the Utah Jazz, a team that they've split two games with so far. The Jazz have lost now six of their last eight, if I'm not mistaken, two straight for sure, while the Pelicans are riding that four-game win streak. And the Pelicans find themselves, you know, this is interesting. Um, this is the strength of the Southwest Division. The Pelicans at 31 and 40 are in last place in the Southwest Division, but it's the strongest last place record in the NBA. As a matter of fact, the last place team in the Southwest Division uh, since 0506 uh, has held the best record in, I want to say, all but one of those years. One year, Milwaukee uh, had a winning record but was in last place in their division, but the Pelicans uh, are doing well. Here at this juncture, despite all the injuries at 31 and 40, and prove again that the Southwest Division is the toughest in basketball. Utah rolls in here, the last place in their division too. Should be though an entertaining ball game tonight at the Smoothie King Center as we wrap up this homestand. Uh, this one was four games. The one prior was six games. Uh, they'll be on the road at San Antonio tomorrow. So a great crowd of the last couple of games at Smoothie King Center. Looking for more of that tonight. I think I think we'll have that. We'll certainly preview the basketball game and look back on the last four with head coach Monty Williams. And we'll also visit with Mark Stein from ESPN.com today. Mark and I had a lengthy visit about a number of different topics across the NBA. Uh, and then I asked him about Anthony Davis in particular. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised as to what Mark Stein has to say regarding the national perspective to uh, Anthony Davis. So that'll be a good visit as well. Uh, Football-wise, we'll uh, turn the page next week and uh, start really some of our pre-draft coverage. It's not that far away. So we're going to begin some of that next week. Uh, Yesterday we kind of wrapped up our football talk this week with head coach Sean Payton. So today it's Monty Williams and Mark Stein on the Black and Blue Report. Looking forward to it. Stay tuned. We'll get right into it after this quick 
New Orleans Pelican season ticket holders are with the team at the perfect time. Our season ticket holders continue to enjoy benefits that include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions and merchandise, access to the Zataran season ticket holder pregame party, and much more. You'll want to be with us as we take the team to the next level. Plus, season ticket holders renewing their seats by March 31st will lock in the best price for next season. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to renew your seats today. As one Entergy customer to another, I have a tip for you. Download the free Entergy app. If my power goes out, I check the app. The outage maps let me know what's happening and when to expect my lights back on. It also makes it easy to pay my bill and manage my account, all right from my smartphone. Download the app today or visit EntergyApp.com for more information. Giving me control in the palm of my hand? That's the power of people. Entergy. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report. It looks like Austin Rivers will be back tonight for the Pelicans as they take on the Utah Jazz. Of course, Austin was sick last game, and that caused the Pelicans to run nine guys out there for head coach Monty Williams. They fortunately won the game against the Clippers 98-96, but Austin back tonight. Uh, They're still listing Eric Gordon and Brian Roberts as day today. Last night was the Monty Williams radio show on WWL-FM, and uh, that is our most extensive visit of the week with head coach Monty Williams. So on Fridays, we like, when we can, uh, we like to play back that audio for you in case you were unable to listen on the radio tonight. So let's get right into it. There are two segments. We'll start with segment one from last night's show. This is uh, Coach Monty Williams on his radio show last night. Every once in a while, I get you in a reflective moment I'm hoping that's the case. Has it hit you yet um, how good this past week has been for you and your basketball team? Well, you know, when you win some games, um, the the human side of me it does come out. When I, I'm on my way home, I think about the team we just beat. Um, and then I, I hate to admit it, but as soon as I get home, I, I start watching film um, of the next team just to refresh my memory of, you know, what we have to do and who we have to play. Um, I'll probably get more caught up in it at the end of the game. And I'm watching our guys, you know, chest bumping and high-fiving and our fans are cheering for our team. Um, I, I take a little bit of time to, you know, thank the Lord that I have a chance to be a part of that and uh, you know, I don't take my job lightly, but there are times where you kind of let your guard down a little bit and, and show a bit of emotion. But at the same time, man, it for me, I got to move on. You know, everybody else, including the assistants, can stay in that game. But I, I got to start thinking about the next game, uh, the injuries, who we're going to have, who we, you know, won't have. Um, we got three and four nights. You guys think about practice schedule, rest, you know, what time we're going to get in when we do leave here, what we're going to do in the next shoot around, all those things. There's about 20 things, 15 to 20 things on my checklist that I got to go through um, after a game. And that, that's my job. Nobody else has to do that but me. Does it, does, is that routine for you or does it overwhelm you at sometimes? Just, I mean, asking an honest question, I guess. No, my first year, it was, it was overwhelming. Um, I didn't realize how much 
you had to do um, as a head coach every day. I mean, my first year as a head coach, my wife was worried because I just stayed in my office and just watched film and wrote notes all the time because I I did not want to be uh, unprepared, if that's a word, for any situation. So I just, I was writing all these notes down about the things I had to do and it was overwhelming. All the st- I just didn't get a day off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm at the point where I just, I know, you know, for pretty much 10 months out of the year, I don't get any days off. Um, and then come summer league and all that stuff, you still don't take days off. But it, it's like anything else, you get used to it. But it, it does overwhelm you when you first start out. All of the stuff that you have to do, managing players, managing you know all the things you have to do as a coach, making sure the assistants are whatever. You got to do a lot, and um, you know they always say that's why we get paid the big bucks. But um, the one thing I won't allow. And I think I allowed it my first year. I won't allow my job to interfere with uh, my family time and the relationships that are dear to me. Joy in one's uh, faith, one's work, one's family life are good things. As far as your players are concerned, when you look at a four-game win streak and, and kind of the emotion of it being at home and everything else, is, is that a, a good thing or maybe uh, a reward for some of all that they've been through during a tough season? I think it is. Um, a reward, but I also think it's a byproduct of character and hard work. Um, rewards come after you've laid the foundation of preparation, um, doing the right thing when you know what the right thing is. Um, but our guys have worked hard all year long. We've had a lot thrown at us, and yet um, we've got a great deal of character in our locker room on our staff in the organization and um, the thing that I'm you know mindful of is we still have a ways to go I mean we got 11 games to play and you know for us to get better we got to look at this what we've been through here as a part of the journey we're not done Um, we want to finish this season strong and go into the, the summer with a great deal of momentum um, we've built an identity, and now we have to have guys not only establish that but fortify it as we go into the summer. Since our last visit in this format last Thursday, um, has anything surprised you, whether it be about your team or individual players? It seems fans that I've talked to or the people that have come to the games and stopped, John or myself or anybody else, they're surprised, and they're not around it every day, so I understand that. But sometimes – Sometimes I sometimes forget to ask you, a person who is in it every day, if things do surprise you. Not anymore. Um, I have, you know, this is my 20th year in the NBA, and I've learned to not get surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you just you figure out that you're going to see something for the first time, no matter how many years you've been in the league, you're going to see something for the first time. Um, I will say this, I've been – um, overjoyed with the number of guys who have stepped up and helped us win a game that weren't ex- expected to, from Luke um, to Alexi to Amo to Darius to Austin. All those guys um, have had a hand in us winning games this year, and nobody really expected those guys. I mean, two of them were overseas and weren't even on our radar.
And then I'm mindful that I can't take for granted what AD and Tyreek uh, do every night. You know, that that's the thing about the really good players. Sometimes you take it for granted. I mean, one night AD had 36, 14, 7, something crazy like that. And, you know, we were talking about guys on the bench who stepped up. And I was like, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> the kid just had 36, whatever he had, rebounds, assists, couple – I mean, it was unreal. And I don't take that for granted. And I always want those guys to know I'll send them a text – uh, when I get home and just, you know, we have this saying, you know, we say, be great. That's what we have an opportunity to do every day is be great. And I want those guys to understand that they have been great this year. The record isn't what we want, but uh, we're building on that right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm positive that if we continue to play the way we've played and compete at a high level and defend, we can improve upon our record. And when we come back, we'll jump into our second segment with head coach Monty Williams after this quick timeout here on the Black and Blue Report. Hey there, what you having? Um, what kind of specials do you have today? Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now? Uh, I don't know. Nicotine? Listen, I'm going to hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini. Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Still to come here on the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, Mark Stein, a senior writer for ESPN.com. Long visit with him regarding a couple of NBA topics and Anthony Davis, too. Let's finish up with head coach Monty Williams. Here's the second segment uh, from his show last night where we'll talk about, of course, the Utah Jazz game that's being played tonight at Smoothie King Center. Coach, I remember uh, speaking with you last night or before the uh, Los Angeles game, and you kind of laid it out. Um, here's who I've got, and uh, I'm going to go make the most of it now, and I'll get back to you a little bit later. That was kind of the gist of the conversation. Um, you ended up having nine guys available last night. Is that a, uh, a mode you're going to be in now for a little bit, that you've got to continue to kind of make the most of it, or can it improve over the weekend? Um, it's hard to say. I, I think it might improve over the weekend, but I'm not sure. The way I'm thinking right now is this is what we have. Um, we may get Austin back. There's a good chance we're going to get Austin back for our next game. But outside of that, um, you can't really – I can't foresee anyone else coming back and write it in stone. So the way I plan is based on who the guys I know for sure are going to be there. I have to plan around that. So I know I can be a bit <laughs> short and blunt when it comes to talking about injuries and who we're going to have, because my mind is already moved on to the next deal. But I mean, John Iship came down with vertigo yesterday, our trainer, you know, so we we're sitting there like, 
okay, we got players out, the trainers out. Um, okay, Lord, let's see what we can do. And um, I can't tell you how many times I sit on that sideline and just pray for an idea or for something good to happen because uh, we've had so many things hit us in the mouth uh, this year. And it's, it's, it's part of the game, but at the same time, some of this stuff is unprecedented. I was watching you last night, um, coaching away, and when Tyreek Evans was really your only point guard out yeah. there, and you had told me before the game, I, I have to be smart about my timeouts. I've got to get Tyreek some kind of a rest at some point. It, it was uh, uh, put it in your hands, Lord, or hold your breath, or however you want to term it, moment when you did finally give him that rest. And I think that at least of those of us who were aware of what was going on, when Darius Miller came in to kind of help you run the floor there, yeah. it was a... Uh, well, let's see what happens here a moment. Well, I think <clears throat> there are times in any coach's career, and I've, I've had it more times than I care to talk about, where you have to take risks. And a lot of times I get criticized. I hear about it secondhand, so it's probably worse than what I'm hearing But for some of the risks that I take. But that, that, that to me is part of um, leadership, at least the way I see it. Um, I was always, I was taught that people follow courage and um, sometimes you just have to do things that everybody else won't do and not worry about the consequences. That's one of the reasons why I got a whipping a number of times, many whippings as a kid, but um, it was a bit of a risk taking him out of the game, but I, you know, you needed a break for the, for the guy. He's playing his heart out. Uh, Matt Barnes is pressuring him about 85 feet, and um, Darius was the one guy, as soon as I realized we weren't going to have Austin, that I knew could handle the ball, didn't have any idea he'd be that efficient with the ball and be able to score um, from a point guard position. Coach, we've enjoyed talking about Anthony Davis on the floor, off the floor, throughout the season. Um, another cool thing, you know, the young man turns 21 here in the month of March, another sign of growing up, if you will. How about another one last night? You're talking to the media before the game, and one of the reporters asked you um, whether Anthony Davis and Blake Griffin, and I'm probably I'm paraphrasing here, were the uh, the the next generation or the future of the power forward position. Yeah. At that moment, Anthony happened to walk down the hall, and you said, "Well, guys, let's just ask him." Yeah. And having no idea what was going on, Anthony Davis says, "I don't know anything about that. All I know is we're about winning basketball games around here." And while it was a chuckle and a humorous moment and all that, it struck me as this next moment of realizing that the young man is growing up. Well, I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, we talk about winning. We talk about character. We talk about discipline. But that's who he is. Now, does he want to make the all-star team? Absolutely. Does he want to be an all-NBA player, MVP Defensive player of the year, I'm sure that's all on his list, but I don't think any of that gets in the way of winning. And to me, that's the thing. If he's anything like Tim Duncan, that's the thing that's just like Tim. You know, they, those guys only care about winning because they know that winning takes care of everything else. And the way they play, um, AD had a play last night during the Clipper game where uh, Tyreek threw him a hit-ahead pass, and he was at the rim. He could have just dunked it or tried to make the shot, and instead he threw it 
to Amo for a three, and I said to myself, that sequence of plays where he blocks Crawford's shot, takes off, we get the ball, he gets it under the basket, throws it out for a three, that's the signature play for our team and organization uh, because it was all about winning, and it started and ended with Anthony Davis. Big, big play last night, no doubt, Coach. Let's wrap up on this. You, you all have seemingly been on the We Owe You One tour this week, and you've made good so far. You, you, you kind of felt like you all owed Miami a game, and you got them. Same goes for Brooklyn and then Los Angeles. Utah's on the list, too, I would imagine. You get them tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. Well, we, you know, every game has a life of its own, and so we have to move on. Obviously, you think about because you have to watch the film of previous games. Um, but they're a good team, and they've beaten good teams like us. And so um, my mind is moving in the direction of keeping Favors and Cantor off the glass. You know, Richard Jefferson shooting threes at the top ten level this year. Um, they have young guards, but they're pretty effective. Gordon Hayward is a guy that really – gave it to us in our first game and then, you know, didn't play as well the second game. Um, we just want to keep improving, man. You know, that that's whether it's Miami, Utah, you know, any one of these teams who is in our way as we close out the season, we want to improve, play winning basketball, and um, we, we want to get this connection with our fan base. You know, our fans will never understand how cool it was to have that many people in our gym on a Wednesday night um, cheering for them uh, was pretty special. And then to come out with a win, I think that's when we start building this connection. So as much as we want to win these games, we also want to win it for our fans because they mean so much to us. I think they sense that you're reaching out and uh, I can feel the thing, the big ship starting to turn in the right direction. Coach, as always, appreciate it, and good luck this weekend. Thank you, bro, and God bless all of our fans, and I you know, hope you guys can come out and watch us play Utah tomorrow and, and scream and yell and just know that we're going to do our best to make you proud. All right, best of luck to a Coach and the Pelicans tonight. By the way, that win on Wednesday night for the Pelicans was win number 125 the head coach for Monty Williams. All right, stay tuned. Mark Stein from ESPN.com next. Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are Auctioner. We're also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties and number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care. One more reason to choose Auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the Auctioner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today.
Here on the Black and Blue Report, I'm always trying to find uh, the right guests, uh, people that I think that you should follow uh, either on Twitter or read online. And certainly when you're talking about the NBA, it's it's Mark Stein with ESPN.com, the senior writer for ESPN.com, uh, makes his Black and Blue Report debut this morning. Mark, good morning, and uh, we're anxious to talk a little NBA hoops as things have turned the corner a bit here in New Orleans, and some folks are excited about not only the Pelicans but where we are on the schedule. Uh, you know, for you, as we uh, get ready to turn the page March into April, what's uh, what's most intriguing to you around the league right now? Well, certainly this week I think a lot of people are trying to take Miami and Indiana's temperature were the first of two showdowns for those teams in the last three weeks of the season, but uh, being based in a Western Conference city, it's hard not to be kind of sucked into the Western Conference playoff race because, uh, you know, we we assume San Antonio is going to hang on to that number one seed, but five, six, seven, eight, and nine all seem to still be up for grabs, uh, and it's a deeper conference this year. I think it's hard to pick a favorite, and it's going to be hard just to get out of the first round because those lower seeds are more dangerous than they were last season. There's no doubt it's amazing at nine games under 500, the Pelicans themselves will be a half game out of the Eastern Conference playoff chase. That's uh, That speaks a little bit to the volume of the West. The other thing is you mentioned San Antonio, and, and this really struck me, Mark, after the Wednesday night games. As the Spurs won their 15th in a row, it was announced that it was the longest winning streak in the Tim Duncan era. First of all, that surprised me, number one. But number two, while the, the headlines are dominated by those two Eastern Conference teams, San Antonio, much to the delight of Greg Popovich, just continues, Mark, to sail underneath the radar here on the national NBA scope. Yeah, their season's actually pretty much unfolded as as nicely as it could have if you're looking at this from a Spurs perspective because they, they had all the injuries early and they kept winning through all of them no matter who was missing. Uh, they're either resting guys or guys are out of the lineup with various maladies, as Greg Popovich likes to say, and now they're pretty much whole. Uh, they've got everybody back. They haven't lost a game since Kawhi Leonard has come back into the lineup. And they're building a nice bit of momentum as they head into the playoffs. And you had zillions of know-it-alls like me saying, there's no way they're going to recover from what happened in game six. They were you know, inches from a championship. They couldn't get there mentally. They're not going to recover. The season's too long. They're too old. They can't do it two years in a row. That was their best shot. You know, basically all of those arguments, they've blown out the window. Uh, you know, obviously they have a long and difficult playoff road ahead of them, but Really, it was the grind of the regular season that I think people were skeptical about San Antonio being able to handle. And as usual, they've handled it as well as you can, first to 50 wins and doing all the things that they usually do in the regular season. So they have to be, they have to be pretty optimistic here as we get to the playoffs, as long as everybody can stay in one piece for three more weeks. And Mark, as, as I think that you're correct in saying that they'll go ahead and hang on to the top seed, is there a team, though, that's built better for the postseason tournament? Which one, in your eyes, can make it through that gauntlet of those four different best-of-seven series? You know, I always put a high premium on experience and the fact that, that nobody has more been there knowledge than them. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that they're not built for it. I mean, certainly there are going to be matchups that teams don't like. In San Antonio's case, dealing with OKC's athleticism is a problem. You know, I, coming into the season, I picked the Clippers. I thought this was their time, and I thought Doc Rivers would make that impact, kind of taking them to the next level, and I think he has done that. 
And I think the, the, the Clippers also are a team that's gotten stronger as the season has unfolded, and I think they're going to be a playoff factor. Now, this group hasn't been past the second round, so they've still got you know, they're still short in the know-how category, but I think the Clippers are very dangerous. I think Houston kind of is an outside bet. They've picked up steam here in the second half of the season, but it's also those early matchups, you know, who who really gets thrown into the grinder right away. You know, who who's going to draw Memphis in the first round? You know, right now everybody wants Portland in the first round. That's the matchup that teams want. Uh, Dallas is tricky to deal with, at least from you know for, from a defensive perspective, because Dallas is, can score in so many different ways. They're going to test anybody's defense. I don't know that Dallas can win a first round series, but they can make you work for it. I mean, among the many things that that didn't go right for the Pelicans this season, one of them was that you got to win 50 games just to get in. I mean, that's really the way it looks. It's going to take 48, 49, 50 wins just to get into the playoffs this season. So it, it's hard to, it's really hard to forecast the playoffs as a result. When you look at the picture that's been painted in the West and the bleaker picture that's been painted in the East, we have enough games now to maybe surmise a few thoughts about who's been a surprise and who hasn't been in your eyes, Mark, who has surprised you with the way that they're getting ready to set to end the season? Well, Phoenix is still number one in the surprise category, the way, you know, they're still, in the mix. I mean, they are the team that, again, the, the know-it-alls like me have been saying, Phoenix is the one that's going to drop out. It's going to be Dallas and Memphis getting those last two spots. There's no way Phoenix can sustain what they're doing. Uh, and, and they, you know, just over the weekend, they're down 22 in Minneapolis, and they find a way to win that game and basically deal a fatal blow to Minnesota's season. And, you know, they're still clawing out wins they've got Bledsoe back now and he he's had a really good impact since he's come back I mean they might carry this thing all the way and might actually get in which would be an unreal story because really when you look at their team it is still they have two frontline players any way you slice it Dragic and Bledsoe are the only really frontline players on that team everyone else is a role player playing better than they ever have and, you know, Jeff Hornacek, as a result, I think is going to be the coach of the year. But there are some other surprises. Toronto, nobody saw what nobody anticipated them responding to the Rudy Gay trade the way they have. Charlotte, you know, Al Jefferson, that, that signing was roundly criticized as another Michael Jordan mistake. You know, Steve Clifford and Al Jefferson have had a huge impact in Charlotte. They're a playoff team. Now, Portland has fallen off the table here. And, you know, there's fears now that they could sink all the way to the number eight seed or something like that. But that, you know, their season is still, they've, they've exceeded expectations, at least with the way they started. So we, we've, we've fortunately had a, had a few positive surprises to counteract all the injuries, which has been the downer of the season because there's just been too many injuries to prominent players that have, have messed up too many team seasons. And I know I probably don't need to tell the people of New Orleans about that because you guys are at the top of the list. So It's been a little rough. Mark Stein with us, the senior writer from ESPN.com. Mark, when you look at how strong the West is and how awful things are in the East, are we now to the point where a conversation starts about how we see the playoffs and the importance of either the Western or Eastern Conference standing by itself? I don't think we're there yet. I mean, the good thing with Adam Silver coming in is he's basically put everything on the table to a degree. I mean, he'll listen to anything. If someone comes to him, you know, it has to be someone in the league. It can't just be 
Joe Smith off the street, but he'll he'll consider anything. So I I wouldn't rule anything out. But the reality is, unless there's a balanced schedule, I don't know how you can just go to seeding based on record. I mean, I think there are a lot of benefits to just make it a 58-game schedule. The season's too long. Everybody plays everybody twice. Without, you know, there's no more conferences, and it's just, you know, you play the other 29 teams twice. It's a 58-game season. Uh, guys stay healthier, and then, you know, the schedule is completely balanced. But, the rea- you know, are, are owners ever going to say, yes, let's cut the schedule from 82 games to 58 and, you know, sacrifice all that regular season revenue? No chance. So it might make sense from a competitive balance standpoint, but – uh, you know, I'm realistic enough to know that that's not going to happen in my lifetime. I just don't see any way they change it that way. And if you don't have a balanced schedule, I just don't think you're going to see that kind of seeding change. I really don't. But, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, again, Adam Silver, he'll look at anything. So I guess there's some hope. But, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, t- teams like, you know Memphis and Minnesota that are that are, that really reside close to the Eastern Conference line. I mean, it's it's you know for Minnesota especially, it's agonizing. Yeah, I mean, no. Minnesota, you know Minnesota must be looking at at the East and saying, you know what what you know if we were a couple inches over, we we, we would be fine. But yeah, all three of those teams, New Orleans is you know succinctly in line with those two. And heck, New Orleans was in the East before Charlotte came into the picture. I mean, yeah, and you know, yeah. back in the day when I was a kid, Houston and San Antonio were Eastern Conference That's teams. Right. So That's there's, right. Yeah, kind of everybody in our, you know, you know I'm based in <laughs> Dallas. Everybody in in the, you know, that, that, that's near the line, I'm sure, looks at the Eastern Conference with a lot of envy. Speaking of hoping and wishing, you just recently wrote a piece about uh, Phil Jackson's uh, new era or his new tenure with the uh, New York Knicks. Um, can he really get the Knicks back on the map at this point? It's going to be a long, hard road, but he does bring them a level of credibility that uh, you know they sorely need. And at least the way he started in the job has you know kind of sold me that he really is up for this and wants this. Um, I think there was a perception when he first got it that he didn't even really want it, and the Knicks just stacked so much money on the table and so much power that he couldn't say no. Now, the big question is still going to be, is Jim Dolan going to let him do his job? I think the jury still very much out there. Uh, who's he going to hire as a coach? Who else is he going to add to the front office? I mean, those are the first questions he has to answer before he even gets to the Carmelo Anthony dilemma. But, you know, a lot of people around the league, the, the initial reaction was, if you're going to pay $12 million a year, why don't you go for a, G- a superstar GM? Why aren't you throwing that at a Sam Presti or an R.C. Buford or a Donnie Nelson or a Masai Ujiri. You know, why aren't you going after, you know, Mitch Kupchak? Why aren't you going after one of these really established GMs who've done the job for years and years and years? And I think the counter to that is, and it does make sense to me, Jim Dolan wouldn't necessarily listen to any of those guys. You know, he had Donnie Walsh in there, and he didn't listen to Donnie Walsh. You know, he initially gave Donnie Walsh a ton of power and – eventually stepped in and started meddling again. Maybe it's going to take someone like Phil, who doesn't have the GM background, but certainly has all those rings to get Jim Dolan's attention. Maybe Phil Jackson is finally going to be the guy who gets Jim Dolan to back off and let the basketball people 
decide things. And then it's up to the decisions Phil makes, if he can make the right ones. And you know, certainly a lot of people are skeptical about what he can do because this is a job he's never done. But I don't know. I, 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 I you know, for, for the Knicks had nothing to lose. So to me, this, this, this makes more sense than it doesn't. The more I've thought about it, I, I agree with you. I think that Phil Jackson is one smart dude, so I think he'll figure it out. And maybe, and I don't mean this in a bad way, uh, he has the ego to challenge the ego of Jim Dolan. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Mark, let me get one more thing from you before I let you go, and I know I've kept you a while here. Um, real quick, I need some perspective. I'm too close to it. I'm with Anthony Davis just about every day. I'm marveled by what he's been able to do in year two, and it sure is fun to watch. But help me gain some national perspective. How is Anthony Davis viewed in the eyes of most around the league that don't have a New Orleans or a Louisiana zip code attached to him? Uh, I think he's beloved. I think uh, you know one of the great way to gauge these things is is a basketball Twitter and you know just kind of the the that that chat room every night that evolves on Twitter with with you know all the media and um, you know the most diehard of fans who will you know flip through league pass and, and watch five games a night and you just see all the tweets flying around every single night and you know Anthony Davis is always one of the most popular players and and someone who gets everyone in a tizzy kind of in that live chat room the way people watch games and I think just uh, the support he had when he didn't make the all-star team and how you know almost universally the reaction was well if the if the league decides that he's the injury replacement, that's one thousand percent just. He should have been an all star of the games in New Orleans. He deserves. You know, you you didn't hear, you didn't hear any backlash really when the league made that decision. I I, I think he's a, a very popular player. You know, I really I don't watch college basketball, so in college I didn't see him at all. But I was with Team USA the, the summer that he spent going to the London Olympics, and you know that was really my first exposure to him and. You know, he hardly played, but just watching him in warm-ups, watching his shooting range for that size, and then the defensive impact when he did get in the game. I mean, it's it's pretty hard not to, not to like him. I mean, that's you know that's kind of the one you know solace for for Pelicans fans after this long painful season. You've got all these injuries, but his development has been. So promising, and, and you know, when I just saw you a, a couple of weeks ago in Dallas, you know, he he got hurt again, and I think that had everybody freaked out. That uh, please don't tell me this guy suffered another injury, and and look at the way he's bounced back from it. He's played the best basketball of his life in the wake of that injury. So I think you know, that that that's something else that that has to encourage people in New Orleans. It is encouraging, and and winning four straight against four quality opponents has has served well around here, and. And uh, frankly, because you're in Dallas and uh, and know the Southwest Division so well, it's just another guy to make this <laughs> the most wicked division in all of basketball. I think that the future is bright when you look at the teams in the division and how strong how strong they continue to be. Um, all you can do is hope that all the injuries get out of your system in one season. I mean, that's uh, you know Ryan Anderson and, and Anthony Davis. Is, it's a potent combo. We just haven't seen it. Yeah, no, there's no doubt, and I I can't wait to see what Holiday would do over a, a full season. Uh, you know, heck, I could go down the list. Nonetheless, I really appreciate it. Mark Stein with ESPN.com. We see him on uh, SportsCenter. We see him on game broadcast, and certainly you want to digest what he has online at ESPN.com whenever you can. Mark, I've been wanting to get you on for a long time. I'm really glad you're able to spend some time with us. 
here this week, and uh, we'll look forward to having you on again perhaps down the road in the playoffs if that's cool with you. Anytime, pal, anytime. All right, Mark Stein with us here on the Black and Blue Report. I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith. Every day, one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger. I'm attorney Morris Park, and every day, Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need. That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger. Text the word Pelicans to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans gear, floor seats to a game, and much more. Join us, because together we can solve hunger. Your New Orleans Pelicans take flight this Friday, March 28th, when the Utah Jazz come to town. It's the year of the uniform at the Smoothie King Center, where the first 3,000 kids, 13 and under, receive Pelicans replica shorts, courtesy of Rouse's and Gatorade. Tip-offs at 7 p.m., with the Pelicans Fest pregame block party getting underway at 5.30, featuring live music, interactive games for the kids, and more. Tickets start as low as $11 and are available now at pelicans.com. This is Pelicans forward Ryan Anderson, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. That'll pretty much wrap up this Friday and this week on the Black and Blue Report. Hope you enjoyed it. Certainly had a good week of shows. Uh, We'll hope to uh, bring you some more good stuff next week. Thanks to Mark Stein today and Monty Williams for being on the show. Daniel Salerson is our producer. 7 o'clock tip-off tonight, Pelicans and Jazz on the Pelicans radio network and television coverage on Fox Sports New Orleans. And then tomorrow night in the second game of a back-to-back, the Pelicans will take on the super-hot San Antonio Spurs uh, in the Alamo City. That's a 7.30 Central Time tip-off. And then we'll be back with you here on Monday at the Black and Blue Report as the Pelicans report back home to take on the Kings Monday night at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, Those of you with Pelicans season tickets, don't forget uh, renewals. This early renewal period ends on Monday, the end of March, as a matter of fact. And so uh, get online, pelicans.com, and make sure you take advantage of all the um, benefits of being an early season ticket renewal person. All right, go Pelicans tonight. Looking forward to calling the basketball game. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Sean Kelly from the Smoothie King Center saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.